Well, we've had a great January. In fact, it's the best January that Bitcoin's ever had or since 2013. Question is what happens next? And in 48 hours, we're expecting a massive move from Bitcoin. I'm going to talk to you today whether that move may be up or down. And then I'm going to show you some data as well as bring on a guest that says that we shouldn't worry about Bitcoin going down. We shouldn't worry about the S&P going down. We should worry about the exact opposite. We should worry about whether we didn't actually see the blow off top in the last bull market and whether that blow off top is actually going to come now. That's what this guest says, and he has the data to back it up. So it's going to be a big, big, big show. It's the beginning of a big week in crypto, probably the biggest week that we've had in a long, long, long time. So lots to talk about. Let's go, go, go. Out of bed, bitch, go. Get up, get up, and they got go. Gotta wake up, gotta wake up, bitch, get up. Get up, get up, get up. Listen, listen, who, who would have thought that we'd be talking about a blow off top before we start talking about another bottom? Who would have thought that that's actually going to be part of a discussion after the bear market that we've just been through? But no jokes, this is what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about whether indeed the cycle is going to lead to a blow off top before we get to some kind of bottom. And if that does happen, that means that you may get a huge chance to take the profits that you never took in the last bull market. So that's one of the big things that we're talking about today. Um, it's a huge week for Bitcoin, so we're going to have a huge, huge, huge show today. For those of you who are not subscribed to the channel, you know what you need to do. Just quickly subscribe to the channel. Um, like our videos, help us get unshadow banned. We're doing well. We are doing well, thanks to the best community in the world. We're not only doing well in terms of subscribers, we are up at 598. 2,000 subscribers to go before we get to 600,000, which you promised us last year, by the way. Um, so we are one of the fastest growing channels, even, even in the bear market. And that's all thanks to the most amazing community in the world. Also, give us a, give us a like, smash that like. It just helps us get unshadow banned. Remember today, if we get over 2,000 likes, I'm going to have to part with this baby over here. That's just how it works. 2,000 likes, I part with this Rolex. We send this Rolex to, to one of you guys today. I really want to give away the Rolex. Help me help you. Help me help you. Pay attention. Give us 2,000 likes. Let's give away this Rolex. And then there's still two Rolexes to be given away after that. So, it's going to be, um, it's, it's actually in your hands. It's actually in your hands. Anyway, let's get to the alpha because remember, we're going to bring you the highest alpha per minute show on the internet. Um, let's look at the numbers. Let's look at Bitcoin at 23,149. Now, yes, I know we were at 24,000 yesterday, but we're still above where we started the weekend. Let's not, let's not lose sight of where we are in Bitcoin. And I've got some massive Bitcoin news for you. Let's quickly, just before we get there, let's look at the alts. So I looked at it on the daily. On the daily, there's not much happening. In fact, the only one that's moving on the daily is DYDX and Mina Protocol. We'll talk about both of those. If you've been following the channel, you actually should be in this DYDX trade. So you should be making a lot of money because you should be in this trade already because we, we put you in this trade last week. Um, 
In fact, a lot of our calls from last week are in the trade. GMX, um, unbelievable. Mina, we'll talk about today. Phantom, up 20%. We'll talk about that uh, today as well. There's a lot to talk about there. Uh, Avalanche, over $20. I'm glad I, I cut my short. Um, I cut the, I must say, I cut it at the perfect time. Could have, could have gone a lot worse. Uh, I do have another short open on Aptos. We're going to talk about the Aptos short. So listen, lots to talk about. But I think the first thing that we should talk about is we should talk about January and where we are in January. And let's take stock of where we are just before we enter what I think is the biggest macro week that we've had. If not, maybe close. So this is where we're at. We're up in January, 39.27%. There is one more day in January or two more days. There is another day in January. So there is tomorrow. So far for January, we are up 39.27%. Now, the only other time that that's happened is in 2013. And you can see what happened in 2013 after we had a strong January, we had a strong February, we had a strong March, we had a strong April, we came down slightly. And you can kind of see how the rest of the year went. So quite encouraging that we've had a, a strong January after all the liquidations. But January is not over yet. There's still one more day in January and there's still some news that can come out. CZ just tweeted this and he's just showing, he's just showing, you know, historically he says four-year cycles don't, you can't predict the future, but history often rhymes. And if you look at it in the four-year cycle pattern, the first one was an 80.1x, the second one 7.2x. And if you look at 2022, it's a 1.5x. If you look at the current price from the lows. So encouraging. Also, the sentiment has turned. We are back up at 61%. People are starting to get greedy specifically when it comes to crypto, I saw a couple of things that happened. The first thing that I saw that happened is that the open interest increased. Now, when the open interest increases, what it means is it means that people are comfortable to start taking leverage. Now, remember at the end of last year, the open interest dropped. All the leverage was flushed out the market and people were very, very, very scared to get back into the market. Well, what we saw in January is we saw the open interest increasing a hell of a lot. So a huge spike in open interest, which means that the interest is back in the market. The sentiment is a whole lot better. We're seeing a whole lot of liquidations, but this time they're not long liquidations like they were last year. This time they are short liquidations. And I said to you, I think one of the biggest reasons why that's happened is because when we crossed over the short-term holder basis and the long-term holder basis, it made people more comfortable. So the short-term and the long-term holder basis is essentially the average price that short-term holders and long-term holders have paid for their Bitcoin. And when you go over that, people feel more confident. When people aren't in losses, they start feeling more confident. And so I think that that was one of the, the, um, the increases to the momentum of this run. But this week, and specifically in 48 hours from now, this, the, the action of what I think is going to be a very, very, very busy week is going to start breaking. So not only are the Fed and the ECB releasing interest rates, we've got the Fed FOMC meeting on the 1st of Feb. We have the January jobs report. We have consumer confidence. And we have a whole whack of earnings all coming out this week. Now, put yourself in Powell's shoes. If you were Powell, you're sitting there going, I'm, in a, I'm between a rock and a hard place. Because... On the one hand, I've done a great job reducing inflation, and he has. Powell's done an unbelievable job reducing inflation. If you look at the annualized inflation, I see Gary Gensler's back on our stream. Um, send, him, send, him, send him warm regards. Maybe he wants to win the Rolex. Maybe Gary Gensler wants to, wants to win the Rolex. Um, 
so Powell actually has done an amazing job reducing reducing the inflation rate. You can see that the annualized, inf well, the, the, the non-annualized inflation in the last six months is under 1%. It's actually 0.9% uh, the last time we looked. And you can see that inflation's been coming down quite a bit. So he's done a great job. And he's probably, I mean, you could say that he's engineered quite a soft landing. And the reason why I say he's engineered quite a soft landing, if you look at, at the S&P, and you take it, let's take it from the top. We are now 15% away from the top of the S&P. Now, you can remember that the top of the S&P was actually like a, a quite an aggressive top because of all the money printing that happened. So it was quite an aggressive top. And right now, we find ourselves 15% um, under that top. And I mean, if you look at the maximum drawdown, we were down 27.5% if you, if you include the wicks on that S&P. Now, to me, given the role that Powell had to do, if he is successful now, if he continues on this trajectory, to me, that would have been a relatively soft landing. That If, if this is it, I think we've come out okay when you look at the macro market. So Powell's looking at this and he's going, all right, I've got an FOMC meeting on the 1st of Feb. The problem that I have is that if you look at the markets since the beginning of January, a couple of things have happened. The first thing is, that if you look at the markets, let's look at the markets in Jan. Um, I think the beginning of Jan is somewhere here. Yes, right here. So there's the beginning of Jan. Let's we could just draw a line up here. The S&P is up 7.25% in Jan, which is a whole lot to be up for, for the, the broad S&P market. Now, remember, Powell doesn't want a run in the markets because the minute that there's a run in the markets, people start to have more money and they have more money. They start spending more, they get more confidence and that drives prices and consumption up again. And he doesn't want that because he's done such an amazing job at actually bringing down the interest rates. And he's thinking to himself, somehow I have to keep the markets down. As it stands right now, going into the FOMC meeting, the market is betting 99.9% .9 of the participants in the survey believe that we're going to get a 25 basis point rate hike. There's, the, there's now a 0.1% which believe there's going to be no rate hike uh, at all, a 0% rate hike when the Fed meet uh, on, on Wednesday. Now, remember, the last five times that the Fed, the last, out of the last seven times that the Fed have met, five times the markets got destroyed and twice the market's actually gone up. So let's see what's going to happen this week. Whatever happens, I guarantee you that there's going to be some kind of volatility. So prepare yourselves for volatility. I think I agree very much with this tweet over here, which says, Powell may actually come out hawkish. And if Powell actually come out hawkish, he says, he says hawkish surprises could upset some of the bullish repricing. It won't take too much to prompt a short-term setback for the risk for the for risk assets. This won't change our H1 view, though. In fact, we'd we'd rather increase exposure to risk assets during these set, setbacks. And this is coming from HSBC's Max Kettner. I think I agree with him. I think I agree that. If we do get some volatility to the downside, I'm relatively confident that this inflation narrative is behind us and that the macro is now shifting to a new narrative. Maybe it's going to shift to, to recession. We'll talk to our guest about that in, in a few minutes. But I'm, I'm reasonably confident based on all the data that I've seen that the inflation narrative is now behind us. I know that there is a risk that we could be like Japan or like Spain, or like Australia, where we have a slight spike in inflation, very slight a spike in inflation. But I think in general, Powell has managed to engineer the inflation 
data down. No, that's not the only thing. This is the first, when we next get the inflation readings, it'll be the first time that we actually use a new formula to calculate inflation. So in the past, we used to have the weightings. We only used to look at, at, at two, we used to look at two years of consumption data. Now they're changing this methodology and they're using one year of data. Now, when you do this, you're going to get inflation being, the, the, the reported inflation is going to be drastically, drastically reduced. And that's going to make the Fed look even better. So put ourselves a question. Why does the Fed want to look better? Why? The Fed looks great. Why does the Fed want to look better? And the reason is because Powell is caught between a rock and a hard place. On the one side, he's dealing with inflation and he needs to reduce inflation by increasing interest rates. The problem is that the US has this, this, this debt, this national debt of $31 trillion. I'm reading that right, $31 trillion of national debt, which means that they have to pay interest. And if Powell raises interest rates, every time they raise interest rates, effectively, when that debt rolls over, they're going to need to increase the coupons or the interest that they pay on the debt. So just listen to this. It was an interview done on CNBC. I think it's a brilliant interview worth listening to. Good, good three minutes of our lives. Inflation has peaked. The biggest increase in last month and has remained is the renter equivalent number in the data, which was 0.8 positive. In reality, that was 0.34 negative. The lag in the housing data is just is okay. completely distorting inflation. And since rents are falling, market rents are falling month to month, not year over year, month to month, they're going this way, you will see a negative number there and it will look like energy. It'll come all the way down. So inflation will come down. And, and people who talk about keep raising rates, I hear these guys on your morning show, I want to strangle them. Volcker didn't have a $32 trillion deficit. So here's the actual interest number. The federal government spent the following amount of money the last four years on interest expense. In 2019, 375 billion, then 345, then 352, and last year, $475 billion. So here were the average. So the U.S. is spending $475 billion repaying the interest on that debt. Interest rates those years, they were 0. Uh, five in 2020, 0. 0.1 in 2020, 2021. That's the average. These are LIBOR SOFA rates. In 22, they're 1.9%. This year, they'll be four and a half, five percent Five percent of 30 trillion. We'll be up to a trillion dollars. A trillion plus dollars. On interest. And on interest. And that's, that's so the budget that the White House put out has a $400 million number that didn't actually, they didn't update it for today's interest rates. This is their November number out of the White House, which is where they put the 1.7 trillion the, the fiscal the fiscal spending. So what he faces, if he keeps going up, you have the Weimar Republic. He has to keep printing dollars to pay interest on the deficit. And you wind up printing and printing and putting tremendous pressure now on all ends of the curve, right? So that will really slow the economy if the tenure goes to five because this thing gets out of control. And who's going to buy our paper? And we've pissed off the Chinese. They're not going to be buying our paper. And most countries are pulling back to their borders now with deglobalization. The banks will support themselves. So he risks, if he keeps going, these academics in Washington, he risks the entire financial stability of the system. You have the IMF and the World Bank telling you to stop raising rates. Because what we do in our little holes in Washington with our Federal Reserve banks impacts the entire globe's economy. 
And it's not like it's strong in Europe. But, but so isn't this, they can't afford higher rates. But They're Barry, worse off than we maybe, are. Maybe this is what we need. But it's coming your but, way. Okay, so if rates go way. back down, then we'll say, hey, everything's fine. So we if he keep pulls this off, which he has a good shot of doing, actually, of having a soft landing if he stops, he can have a, a, a mild recession is fine. I mean, it'll be fine. You don't destroy all these manufacturing jobs. We, we bring back, we onshore, we, we, get, we, we, we fix supply chains. He'll be, he'll be good. I'd be bullish. If we keep this up, and obviously the political but no, gridlock, but the, don't... Right, so long story short, they can't... Powell's looking at this again. Look, I can't really increase interest rates much more because if I do, the US starts to get another another problem, which is which is a debt problem. How are they going to repay the interest repayments in their debt? And who's going to buy this debt at such high interest rates? So that's what Powell's dealing with at the moment. And that's why I think that we'll probably get a 25 basis point rate hike. I think he may come out a little bit more hawkish then and hawkish for those of you who don't know means a little bit more negative than than people expect in an effort to maybe tame the markets but to be honest i don't actually think that much that he says right now is going to move the markets i think i think the power that powell has is now limited um i think that the inflation and interest narrative is going to be replaced by a new narrative now the new narrative will probably be recession you started hearing the words recession 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 and we may get a recession, but I don't know if the recession is that imminent, given the fact that the GDP numbers came out a few days ago and the GDP numbers were super strong. So I've got a guest here. And what the guest says is, I think he agrees with me that we're not going to get a recession anytime soon. But he also says, he also says, get this. He also says that we may be en route to a blow off top, which means we may be getting to all time highs again, if I read this correctly. Henrik, is that right? Hi. Yes, absolutely. You're right on. I think um, what I see is that you write down your alley of what you've been talking about here on the show, that uh, things are getting bad. And I actually do think or are actually quite convinced that we're going to have a recession. Um, but I don't think it's imminent. And uh, there's various reasons for that. There is a theoretical reason, but it's very much also a, a macroeconomic and a uh, liquidity reason for that. Okay, so let's quickly talk about where we are today in the cycle. So you've got interest rates, you've got interest rates going up quite aggressively. In fact, faster than they've ever gone up in history or, or recent history that I can see. You've got inflation coming down. Inflation is now at, if you take the last six months, 0.9%. We may get a slight spike. The Fed is forecasting a slight spike uh, this month. What do you think happens at the FOMC this week? Well, I think you're right. I think they're going to do a 0.25, uh, and uh, and and that's that will be it. I think that'll be it. That will be one time more, uh, and and that's it. Um, but I have to say that I do not think it has so much to do with what what Fed and the Powell wants to do. It has to do what the what the market wants to do. And if you look at it, there are clear evidence in the market that the Fed is very very close to be done in terms of the hiking. So I, I agree with you, 0.25 could be very well what we could see come out here on Wednesday. And then I think that'll be it. Because as you've also been talking about, there is a uh, clear deterioration in the economic environment, at least abroad. And uh, and also was said on here on this interview that we just heard, that yeah, things are not necessarily good in Europe. We just saw the Swedish uh, GDP numbers coming out today, the German GDP numbers coming out today. And they're not great. Uh, so, so of course, they are being. They they will pay attention to to all these things that we we see in terms of economic development, 
and then uh, you know act accordingly because they do not want to crash the market. They do not. They have not done all of this after the Corona uh, just to get you know to crash it all again. And as you also pointed out, inflation is coming down and it's coming down rather strongly. And I think this, the suggestions are actually that we could by end of this year we could be back down to the lows that we had uh, in, in early uh, or in late 21, actually. So I think that we should be very careful what, what we wish for. And it's like the ketchup bottle. When you you know you try to jolt it to get more ketchup out, you can get a whole lot of uh, deflation coming out of the, being way too hawkish. And they know that. Okay, so you're expecting 25 basis points. Walk me through this thesis of yours that we may be going up to a yes. blow-off top. Because... This came from left field. I mean, I, I expected a bull market. I expected a run. I, I think I'm firmly in the camp that we've broken all the downward trends and, and we're starting to go up. But I must say, I didn't see it like a blow off top. So walk me through walk me through what you're thinking here. Absolutely. Okay. First of all, there is a, there is a very um, important understanding here in terms of what are leading, lagging, and coincident indicators here. Meaning, so... When we hear that the leading indicators are turning really red or into the negative, which is something that leads the economy into a recession, everybody seems to be jumping to the conclusion we're going to be in a, in a recession the next day. But that's not how the economy works. And if I can just take a theoretical perspective here first and then get back to the chart. Uh, so so please bear with me. I hope you can see my screen here. No, let, me get, um, let me get your screen up. Here we, go. we, got, we got your screen. Okay, there we go. We got your screen up. Good. Okay. Excellent. So really, this is just a business cycle. And you can see that that can be in four phases. It can be an expansion phase, which is when it's above equilibrium and increasing above and then decreasing, which we call the peak phase. And then we got the contraction phase and the, and the trough phase here. And what we see is that you have the leading indicators here, which are the ones like average weekly hours, manufacturing, and all these things we have here and the money supply into stock prices and the likes are all in the leading indicators. And then we have the coincident and we have the lagging down here. And what we see is that the leading indicators have been turning into red area. And that is a very, very clear recession signal. And there are other signals that, that we are going to see a recession. But what it normally shows is that when it turns negative, we get like two to three quarters uh, before we actually see that recession set in. Um, and what we also see is exactly what you were saying also, that we do see the job market is rather strong. And that's the coincident indicator. So even though the, we are, you know, Titanic has hit the iceberg here, that's for sure. But we are not going to sink just immediately. And for now, the party can be going on, can, can, can continue. The music is still playing. And what we also have, and you were talking about the, 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 the rates here, the rates are actually a part of the lagging indicators, which uh, means that they are going to come down strongly at some point. So we, we cannot really, uh, you know, we need to bear this in mind before we start to talk about, you know, how, what, is, what is going up and what's going, going down. Because the reason why we've seen recent moves to the upside here in the terms of the lagging indicator are really because of that very, very strong move we had uh, up in the business cycle uh, after Corona, when that you know huge, tremendous stimulus was coming out. So this is the uh, the the, the, the um, what I call the oh sorry, I need to get on the right page here. Just hang on for a second. Yeah, mean, I'll, I'll jump to the screen here. Uh, yeah, sorry. Where do we go? Uh, I'm not sure. I need to go here. There we go. Okay. Right. Uh, um, yeah, hold, on. hold on. Just you're sharing oh, yourself. So... There we go. Is that better? You can just share your screen again if you want to share your screen. Sure. Okay. But uh, but just to say first here that that we are we are of course at a point where the economy is is deteriorating. It has hit the iceberg, and we can see that. 
but that doesn't mean it's going to sink right rather you know immediately and what, what's going to happen is exactly that because of what we see with inflation coming down you're going to have a positive feedback into the economy in terms of uh consumers actually becoming more confident or getting you know not being as uh, hit by the economy as they were when the inflation was soaring so we have to understand that in a dynamic in the economy in a dynamic term, and and if we look at the charts, then let me see if I can do present now without actually uh, you know crash it all yeah, again. Just share, your, just share your screen again. Just share your screen again. Yeah. What you're describing is almost like it's almost like a dead cat bounce, but the dead cat bounce is bigger than the, it takes you to a blow of top. It takes you higher than the original thing, and then you come down because you have to face reality. It's it almost that's almost like what you're describing to me here. Yes, yeah, you can say that because there's nothing that has been solved. And actually, if we look at it for the entire period of 19, uh, sorry, 2008, uh, you know, nothing, nothing was solved. What they tried to do was to kick the can and they keep kick, kept kicking it. And all of a sudden, you know, the, uh, you know, again, the ketchup will, will come on. That, that will be inflation, you know, eventually. But for now, we do not have that uh, set up. And we, we do have an economy which is deteriorating, but not fallen over the, uh, over the cliff just yet. And it is going to fall over the cliff because if we look at the, uh, if we look at what I'm, I'm looking at here is the, uh, is the, uh, uh, so the yield inversion, we got the 10 years minus the two years here. Um, and uh, if we look at that, we see how every time that we get a yield inversion, we get, you know, some time before the recession sets in. We got the inversion here back in 2000 also, and it went some time before a year and two months before recession set in. And we have to remember when the recession sets in, that's around the time when we're going to see the bear market set in. And this time around, we've had, we have had that back in June of 22, and it just kept moving down. But these were from the time when the bottom was in, and we haven't seen that bottom yet. We haven't started to move up. Every time we have a recession, we see how we are in the positive part of the slope here on this, on the, uh, on, on this uh, chart here. And that's why I say we have more uh, time to, uh, to actually see before we get uh, the, the recession will set in. And in terms of the Fed, what we also see is that when we get this inversion here, we see that the Fed is then pausing and that pause is going to be somewhat you know a positive uh, because of course we we right now have an, eco an economy as i said that it's not in a recession and if then the fed is coming off their you know hiking path or the, ha the hawkish path and we have that the uh we, we're going to see that inflation is continuing down which i believe it will as well well then we're going to see the market is going to respond rather favorably to that and if you look here back in 2007 also when we saw that here in 2006, actually, when we saw that pause, we saw the market here. This is the S&P down here. We saw a 26% move here, actually a little more than that, before we had that top in October. And I think we're going to see exactly that again. If you look at it here, we also got what's called negative divergence in terms of the two-year. The Fed is following the two-year rates. Yes. And that's what we see, right? We see that the Fed is following the two-year. So when the, the two-year starts to fall, the Fed will follow. But we are not at that point yet, as I just said, where the economy is in a recession back here in the, during the uh, back here in the financial crisis, the recession set in in December of 2007. And that was a time when the rates have been dropping already. We're not there yet. And we could see that sideways kind of move here for some time before we actually fall over. What we do see is that we have negative divergence, which means we can fall over and we can start to see them start moving down again. And even here in 2018, we saw how they came down. The Fed was following, and it was first here in January of 2020, or yeah, January, February, March. We had that you know, because of Corona, obviously, but also things weren't already bad at that point. So okay, so we got we got six months worth. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so let's summarize this. So you're saying for now, you're expecting the markets to go up. 
You're expecting the markets to go up above the all-time highs that we had. And are we talking S&P here? After that, you're expecting the recession to come in. And when the recession comes in, then you're expecting a crash. And you're expecting the crash to take us to, to lower lows than we were in October, November, or when we got the recent lows. Have I summarized it correctly? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, those lows are nothing compared to us. So what, what I see is that we, we are setting ourselves or we have set ourselves up for a massive decline in the a crash in the market, a really a, a huge crash. And this also has to do with the Elliott Wave account and the, the, the way I look at the market. I have a multi-market, multi-asset model where all the counts on the Elliott Waves on a long-term and short-term perspective are simply you know, adding up or fitting uh, like, like a nice puzzle together. And what I'm seeing is this massive move up. You remember we had this, what we could call the melt up here from way two into the way three high here. Then we had that decline. And what I see is that we're going to see that move up here into 6,300 on the S&P before we're going to get that devastating crash. And that will both be... is 50% up from where we are today. Yes. The, hold on. That's 50. So, so you're expecting the S&P to go up 50% above where we are today. And you're expecting it to go up 25% above the previous all-time high. I mean, that's pretty much if I'm, if I'm summarizing it correctly. That's very much correct. If you look at it here, you have the S&P down here. We saw when they, when they did the top and the, 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 uh, when they started to pause there back in the, before the financial crisis, and they, they, they actually paused in June of uh, 2006, you saw how it went up 26%. When we saw that pause here, we saw 39% in terms of move up. And this time around, I think it's going to go even further. And that's because of the extreme FOMO that I think is going to play out. Trust, just imagine, now we start to see Bitcoin moving up. We start to see liquidity coming back into the system. We know that Japan and the UK and the, uh, the Chinese have started to expand their uh, balance sheet and it will come to around the world as well. And if the Fed now, you know, pauses, that will just be, you know, uh, the next step in this, you know, Europe and whatever will, will follow this. So we're going to see an easing of the financial conditions. And as the economy is not in a recession just yet, it will bounce. And when it bounces in that kind of condition, you know, we're going to see uh, people come into the market again. And we got a lot of cash standing on the sidelines. sidelines. So one last question. When we get into a recession, do you not think that that's the trigger for the Fed to have to reduce rates and have to start stimulating the economy by putting money back into the economy? Yeah, but that, that we're going to see in exactly the same cycle as we've seen you know, previously. I think it's going to be much, much worse this time around than what we saw during the financial crisis, simply because that we got so much more debt in the system and, uh, and nothing has been solved. I mean, nothing has been solved. We can look at European banks and, and many of the European countries. They have not, they are not doing well. Uh, and, and it's from my perspective, the way I read charts, it's very much clear to me that they have just been bouncing ever since uh, actually the 2008. What will become clear down the line, I think, is that we never got out of the financial crisis. We kicked the can and then we're going to feel the consequences of this at this point here. So, yes, they are trying to stimulate it again. But this time around, I fear and that's my, you know, the big fear around this decline that we're going to see the big crash that I expect. Let me see if I can just find it again here. The big one here will be that we actually they do do manage to push it into a stagflationary phase. And that is going to be very devastating. That will be the moment where you cannot hide away in bonds. Bonds, you cannot hide away, hide away in, in equities, or unfortunately, also not in, in, in crypto. Yeah, I mean, I must say, from what I'm listening to you, I'm getting very excited because if you're telling me that we're going to get another 50% plus in the SP, I know I can sell I can sell the tops there. And you know, if you if you're right, 
maybe I'll take some profit at the top. And if it starts going down, then I can take profits all the way down. So I think I'm much more excited about what's the short term than I am obviously for, for your long-term picture. What about Bitcoin? What about Bitcoin? You're saying, you're saying, I mean, I guess if the S&P flies, that means more liquidity, that means more profits, that means Bitcoin also flies, right? Yeah, yeah, I think, and I think we are in this bigger picture of a, uh, everything comes into that we have um, a, a situation ever since 2008 where liquidity was uh, going from being cheap to being you know, ridiculously cheap and, and then the markets will respond to that and take on more and more risk. And uh, we then seen Bitcoin and other uh, altcoins coming out and, and do tremendously well in, as liquidity comes into the system. And this time around will be no different from that. Yes, so I do think Bitcoin is going to do tremendously well over this. I do think that 40, you know, 50,000 will be something something that, uh, you know, will easily be achieved at some point. And, and then even, you know, seeing 93 or even 111,000, you know, for Bitcoin. Uh, that, that's my, 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 my target here based on these charts like this, but, but also others and, and others calculations. So, so yes, I do think we're going to see a tremendous move here because of liquidity coming into the system for as long as the economy is not in a recession. We have to understand we are now in that phase where uh, all of a sudden fundamentals, the macroeconomic fundamentals are going to mean a whole lot again. And it's not just going to be about liquidity. We haven't had a real long recession like what we since the uh, since 2008. And this one is going to be the one for the history books, not what we wow. saw during Corona. Listen, my man, thank you so much, guys. If you want to follow Henrik, his Twitter details are in the bottom in the description. Follow him. Uh, you also do you do a newsletter, right? What, what do you do? You, you do have a newsletter or a, a group, don't you? Yes, correct. So, uh, so we have the uh, the seabergreport.com where we have a view on the macroeconomic environment. We also look into cryptos, and I also work together with Swissblock.net, where we also, which is a crypto fund, uh, and uh, yeah, they have a lot of great interviews and uh, perspectives of this as well. Amazing, Henrik. Thank you. Welcome to the Banter Fam. I'm sure we'll have you back more often. The comments are going crazy. Yeah, people are going crazy. So, listen, love your work, and I'm sure we'll get you back soon. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. I must say, if, if his scenario plays out, I'm the happiest guy in the world. If Bitcoin goes to 100,000 before it goes back down again, at least this time around, we'll take some profits. That I guarantee you, because we learned our lesson in the last time around. Um, he also said that macro is super important. As I said, a big week in the crypto macro world. There's also earnings this week. So there's huge earnings this week. Um, so earnings this week, you got Amazon, you got Apple, you got Alphabet, all reporting on Thursday just after FOMC. So Thursday is kind of like the big day where we're going to walk through this with you. Also, on Wednesday, we're going to be doing a Twitter Spaces and a YouTube combined. So you guys can join us for the FOMC meeting. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Um, all right, I think it's time for DJing. What do you think? I think we should DJ. I did see some other things which were interesting. You know, I keep saying to you that it feels like the cycles changed. I showed you multiple indicators that show that the cycles changed, both from a fundamental point of view and from an on-chain point of view and from a technical point of view. Today, I found another one. Um, I found this one, which is actually very, very, very good. This is a GAN swing indicator. Jason Pizzino did a whole a whole uh, uh, a video about it, which you should actually go watch it. But he says that this is a, an indicator that has been accurate for the last 100 years to determine uptrends, and it's just shifted. You can see whenever it goes black, that is the shift in the trend, and we start going up again. So um, he... It goes black and then green is when we get the real blow off top. So right now we're in the black, which is like the accumulation, the, sl the slight upswing period. And then we're going to get the real blow off top when we go back into the green. That was another one that I saw today. Then 
Benjamin Cowan showed something that's never happened on Bitcoin or crypto ever before. And I think this is something we need to talk about. Okay, so he's called this the three trains meeting in the night. Now, what is what are these three trains? It's the 50-week moving average, the 200-week moving average, and the Bitcoin price. Okay, they are all about to cross. So let's go here and I'll show you. So 200 week 50. Let's get rid of all the other stuff quickly. Let's just hide that one. We don't need that one. And we don't need a 200 exponential. So what you can see, if you look at this on a weekly point of view, and I'll make this a little bit bigger so we can look at it. For the first time in Bitcoin's history, what you're getting is you're getting the price, the 200 week and the 50 week EMA exponential weekly moving averages about to collide. Now, there's positives and negatives of that. The first positive of that is we need to get over the 200-week moving average, and we were flirting with it on the weekend. I mean, it is right now at 24,654. We were at 24,000 this weekend. At some point, these are all three going to meet, and that's what Benjamin Kahn calls the collision, or your, I don't know, what the, the collision of the three trains in the night. There could be some big resistance there because, you know, you're talking about a crazy cross, and then you're talking about the price cross. But I guess if we get through that, then all the naysayers will have to um, become, they'll have to become bullish. Even Kapo, at some point, he needs to either get off. I mean, he, he was tweeting this weekend that he said, oh, I'm not looking at the charts. I'm spending time with family. Meanwhile, his followers are getting wrecked. His followers are absolutely getting wrecked. Now, he may be right. He may be right. But if he, even if he's right, he's missed gains that I haven't seen in crypto for a long, long, long time. And I fear that, you know, if we do cross this thing, that and he's still holding short. A lot of people are going to get wrecked. I also saw this from Peter Brandt. Peter Brandt is one of the best chartists in the world. And he said the Bitcoin, the bottom is in for Bitcoin. The bottom in Bitcoin is a double walled fulcrum pattern, extremely rare. The two times target is 25,000. We've had this double, this double uh, fulcrum pattern that he's talking about, double walled fulcrum pattern. And we are now heading towards the 25,000 target that he said. When Bitcoin hits that 25,000, that is when we cross the 200-week moving average and the 50-week moving average. So let's hope that he's right, because if he's right, and Peter Brandt is say, one, of the, one of the smarter, more accurate people uh, out there. All right, let's talk about altcoins, because that's why you guys are here. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. So I have been following this Aptos pump. Um, this, is, this Aptos pump is crazy. It's manipulated. You know it's manipulated by Korea. Problem is, if you look at it from a technical point of view, this thing's could have legs, but here you can see it broke out of the wedge. Here you can see it broke out of the wedge. Here you can see it broke out of the wedge. It's formed the same wedge again. It did break out earlier and it went to $20.29. I can say a few things about this, this, this Aptos pump. Number one, it's the most hated pump in crypto. And the reason why it's the most hated pump in crypto is it is completely manipulated by Asian traders. I showed you the data last week. I also showed you in that same show, I said to you, look at render because render is also starting to be degen by the Koreans and they had tokenomics, they had a tokenomic revision. Now, if you had looked at render when we spoke about it, I wouldn't buy it now. I think you've probably missed this because the vote for the proposal uh, already happened. And this is a proposal where people have to mint and burn fees. Um, you're talking about a pump of, I mean, we spoke about it here last week. And it is now up 150% since then at $1.21. $1 but going back to Aptos, so a couple of things here. 
The first thing is that there's no real price for Aptos because there's no fundamentals here because it's all being manipulated because of the low token supply. Okay, so there's no real price here. This thing can go to $50 before it comes down. That said, over time, I can guarantee you that this thing comes to fair value. And I can tell you that fair value right now is not 18 billion fully diluted market, market valuation. So full disclosure, I've taken a short. I'm going to take another short just because I think at some point this has to come to an end. I am defying the chart here because the chart show that if this thing breaks up again, we're going to have a huge breakout. Again, you can see the last time that it broke up, how far the, the, these breakouts had happened. Um, so that's, that's, that's the other thing. I also saw that the Aptos team, every time that there's a pump, the Aptos team, Dev Wallet has started feeding the Korean ducks 20 million in spot sent to Binance in the last hour. That was when the price was rallying on the weekend. But be careful playing Aptos. Be careful, be careful, be careful playing Aptos. Another one that we keep talking about is Gains Network. They are one of our sponsors, so full disclosure, you know I'm talking about a sponsor now. Gains Network has more than doubled their TVL in three weeks on Arbitrum. They have also more than doubled their fees. But more important is if you look at more more impressive is if you look at their price performance. So we've been telling you to get into gains um, since about three dollars. Okay, now you're talking about gains now at six dollars. Let's get on to the daily or the four hour. You're talking about gains now at six dollars and twenty-eight. So you would have made over a hundred percent on on gains. We also told you about GMX. GMX also flying. We told you that this narrative would pump. If you, if you did take the trades, congratulations. You're celebrating with us. We took a lot of trades. We we invested in gains at about $3. We invested in, in GMX at about $34, $30. Um, that one's up at $59.60. So again, keep if you if you took those, great. If you didn't take them, I wouldn't be taking, I wouldn't be taking those now. Um, there is another narrative now that is that is hotting up or heating up, and that is ETH layer twos. So what we saw. Obviously, Matic had a run first. After Matic, we saw today that Metis had a, a huge run and Mina Protocol had a huge run. Huge run. So let's quickly look at those. Uh, let's look at the bubbles. I think that's the easy. So Mina Protocol in the last day is up 16%, but in the last week, up 41.8%. Mina is a blockchain, which has, it's the smallest blockchain in terms of processing power and blocks. Um, and you had Metis. Let's quickly look at Metis. Metis also had a pump, which is an ETH layer too. What you can see that there's a, is there is an ETH layer 2 narrative playing out. So this one, if you look at it, let's look at it for the last. So Metis, just in 2023, is up from 15 to 33. is 100% on Metis. What I'm trying to show you here is that there's this, we told you that there would be an ETH layer 2 narrative. And now that ETH layer 2 narrative is actually starting to play out. Now, I don't think that you should be aping into these coins. In fact, I hate putting my neck out there like this, but I think that maybe the market will have a little bit of a reaction to Powell's, to Powell's event on Wednesday. And then we may get a dip. And if we do get a dip, then you need to predefine what you're going to buy and at what price and actually do it. Because if you don't, the problem is that you're going to start feeling bearish on Wednesday if something goes wrong. And then you're going to go, oh, well, maybe it's going to go down. Maybe Kappa was right. I don't believe that's right. I've got full conviction in the space. I've got full conviction in that the interest rate cycle is finished, and that it's time to to start um, uh, time to start dollar cost averaging. If you haven't been dollar cost averaging, um, don't ape now. Don't ape now. Um, it does feel like Sam Bankman-Fried is sending encrypted messages to people, um, trying to manipulate people in in the case. So now they the the um, the prosecutor has gone to the court and and requested that SBF. Um, 
that the bell conditions change. And one of the bell conditions is that he deletes signal from his phone. Another narrative which you want to be watching is where are the Koreans? Where are the Koreans trading? So you probably want to go to, to Bitam and you want to go see what are the tokens that are starting to get a whole lot of volume. Let me switch this off uh, on Bitam. And if you get that, you'll kind of see where the, where, the, where, the, where the trades are coming. I keep saying it to you. I keep saying that every time we see a pump, it's coming from Korea. They're leading the pump. And then Cardano, um, ever since it passed 38 cents, 31 addresses holding what they call the whale addresses holding between 100,000 and a million tokens have redistributed their Cardanos, has resold their Cardanos, their Cardano. It feels like almost like they were waiting for, for an opportunity to sell and they started to sell. So just keep your eyes on that. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm saying keep your eyes on that. That is the render proposal. Propose render as a payment denomination between artists and node operators. Instead, artists would be able to burn the required amount of render in exchange for non-fungible work credits. So that's it, it causes render to be completely deflationary. All righty, I think that is it. Let's just quickly check the research group and see if there's anything. Someone says, since we call DYDX, it's up 50%. It is. I know because we invested in it. So let's quickly look at it. Didn't invest enough, but I think DYDX is going to be huge. I think the narrative of perpetual exchanges, yeah, DYDX up another to $2.59. I mean, for the people who were late, we told you last week at 180. But before that, we've been buying it. I mean, we've been buying it since way, way, way before. Um, anything else happened while we were on the show? Uh, let's just have a look here. Canto. Let's have a look at Canto. Since the beginning of 2023, the Canto price has risen dramatically, about 350%. Trading volume on Canto has increased. Canto performed well. I do worry that it's had a bit too much of a run, though. So let's quickly look at Canto. Remember, Canto is this... Uh, it's built on um, Cosmos, and it's the blockchain that changes the the rewards. Forty-one cents. I mean, we spoke to you guys about it at twelve cents. It's at forty-one cents. Again, be careful. I wouldn't be getting in now. I wouldn't be getting in now. But I do think that if if there is a a dump, put that on your dump list. Another one that I'm putting on my dump list is Conic. So if again for me, Conic under six dollars, an absolute steal. Okay, it's down it's down 17.6% to, to 624. Under $6, I'm gonna start buying this thing again. It's got a fully diluted market cap of 20, 23 million dollars. I think that's at some point probably worth starting to buy. Um, all right, listen, how many likes do we have, Josh? Do we are we giving away Rolex today? Okay, got 300 likes to get. And I'll give you guys a minute while I while I get the while I get the um the document that has all your account numbers and maybe today we can give away oh james oh james oh we forgot about it we forgot about it that's what james is saying Eth isn't doing anything james it's just not doing anything okay okay i get it i get it i get it switch off the music it's terrible it's just terrible. All right. Do we have 2,000 likes? Let's look at, at the like situation. We should have 2,000 likes. Just the music. 5,000 of you in the waiting room. Record numbers for banter. Record numbers for banter. Um, 1,800 likes. Do I have to do this again every single time? Okay. I'm going to give you 60 seconds because I have to end the show in three minutes because I'm hungry. I need to go get some dinner. And then don't forget, later on, on our channel, there is a DCA show with uh, CTO Larson and um, James from Invest Answers. So, um, that will happen in about four and a half hours. I think it'll be at about four and a half hours. I see Fred is 
Uh, Fred says, we should stop talking about copper. The dude's living rent-free in your head. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm concerned about people getting wrecked, <coughs> Fred. Um, okay, so you got 60 seconds. Let me just find a clock. And if we get 2,000 likes within the 60 seconds, we're going to draw a winner for the Rolex. Okay, here we go. Here's your 60-second countdown. And I can see that there's 1,900 likes. Now, remember, if you want to enter, it's very simple. Open any account on CryptoBanter using any CryptoBanter link on Bybit or BitGet. If you win the Bybit Rolex, you can win a Black Submariner and a Blue Submariner. If you win the BitGet one, you win a Black Submariner. Um, every time you trade, you get more and more entries. We have about 35 seconds to get less than 100 likes. Are we going to do it or are we not going to do it? One, 35, 36, 37, 25 more likes. How do we get 5,000 people in here and not manage to get 2,000 likes? What are we doing wrong? What, what are we doing wrong? Nine, eight, seven. Oh, 2,000 likes. All right, so I have to draw a winner for the... Where is the watch? Here's the watch. Okay, so... That's the watch you get. It's a black Rolex Submariner. I don't know what it's valued at because you can't get them. So we're buying them uh, in the market. We're not buying them from Rolex. We're buying them in the market. If your name is called, if your account number is called, you have five hours to get back to us and tell us that you won at giveawaysacryptobanter.com. If you're late for the five hours, unfortunately, we don't give you the watch. So Google random number generator. I've got... Um, 6,437 of you entered eligible in the competition. 6,437. Okay. And let's generate the number 2912. So if you are row number 2912 on the spreadsheet, you win the Rolex. But only if you get back to us at cryptobanter.com, giveaways at cryptobanter.com, within five hours. Five hours from when I select your name. 2912. 2912 it is. 2912 it is. So if you are account 27202028, it's confusing, 27202028, you have been selected. You have five hours to let us know you're a winner at giveawayscryptobanter.com. I'll see you guys again later on this channel, watching DCA with Larson, James, and myself. Until then, trade well, my friends.